0: You're listening to Real Women Courageous Wisdom, hosted by Women for One Truth Teller, my friend and author, Kara Bradley. Real Women Courageous Wisdom is a podcast series featuring Women for One Truth Tellers, everyday women and kindred spirits passionate about sharing their journeys and inspiring others.
1: Hey there, it's Kara once again with you with another real woman, and she's got some courageous wisdom for us all. I have Wendy Barukowitz with us today. She and I have been chatting before recording about her wild journey that I know I related to in some respects, and I'm hoping you will as well. So welcome, Wendy. Thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you, Kara. Thank you so much for having me.
1: It's great to have you on board as a truth teller and so fabulous to have you. I'm really excited to hear your story again. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you've experienced in the last few years? And I know that we're all going to be able to pull something from it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my story, it's a a little complex, but I'm going to make it as simple as possible. So, in 2011, I was a you know, very active woman working at a fast-paced advertising agency in New York City. My husband, my five-year-old son at the time, we were just settling into our new home um, in Rye, New York, and I became pregnant with my second son, Blake, um, at the age of 39. Um, so I always had some health, what I call annoyances. I was diagnosed with celiac in 2008, but I always felt fatigued, feeling kind of tired. Um, I had trouble standing for long periods of time. I always felt lethargic. Um, My friends just would always say I was just sensitive. When I was pregnant with my second son, I was placed on precautionary bed rest of 15 weeks. Um, I started having early contractions. So one week before I was given birth, I was given the clearance to get up and move around. So obviously being on bed rest for that long period of time, I was really deconditioned. Um, And when I did stand up, I had a lot of difficulty moving around. I felt like my heart rate was surging outside of my chest. My heart rate was reaching 150, 160. And that was just from sitting to standing. And I knew something was really, really wrong. I'd been pregnant before. This was very unusual. I went to my primary care physician. I went to my OBGYN. I said, there's something wrong with my heart rate. And they said, no, you're fine. You're just pregnant. You know, Don't worry about it. This is a postpartum issue that will resolve once you give birth. So that wasn't enough for me because I knew something was wrong with my body and nobody knows their body better than themselves. So I ended up Googling my symptoms and something came up called POTS, which stands for postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And I said to my husband, I think I have this, some of the symptoms were going from sitting to standing where your heart rate can just exceed you know, up to 30 beats or more per minute. My heart rate was up to 150, 160. Oh, okay. So fast forward, I gave birth to my son and literally overnight I lost the ability to function once I gave birth. Um, some of the symptoms that I felt were um, my resting heart rate was 150 to 160, I had intense dizziness, um, horrible headaches, nausea and vomiting, debilitating fatigue, insomnia, depression, anxiety, and the list goes on and on. Um, so I kept telling the doctor something was wrong after I gave birth. I was just cast aside by numerous you know, top medical institutions in New York City telling me I had chronic fatigue, chronic fatigue syndrome, anxiety, postpartum depression, and there was no validation of POTS as a possibility. But again, something's wrong. So I kept pushing forward for answers. And until finally, (laughs) I saw a cardiologist in New Jersey in September of 2011 who finally diagnosed me with with POTS. Um, But here I had a newborn baby that I couldn't take care of because I could barely function. I couldn't stand. I was always feeling like I was going to black out and all the other symptoms that I mentioned. So this doctor prescribed extenuous exercise, and that's what I did. I started exercising, I had to drink a lot of fluids. I basically had to become my own advocate and take control of my body and my life um, to be on a path of recovery from POTS. So I know that's sort of layman's terms of, you know, what I went through, but the journey was extremely devastating um, as losing my ability and sort of mourning my old life of how I used to function and turning into the person that I am today.
1: And, and all the whole time you kept saying, I know something's wrong. I know something's wrong. Right. And I think you told me something about it when you saw a psychiatrist or maybe it was a psychologist. Um,
2: yes. So when I, my, when they kept diagnosing me with postpartum depression, I, my, my husband and I said, well, maybe we should, I should see a postpartum specialist. So I did. And this postpartum specialist made me write down 10 times on a piece of paper, I do not have POTS. I do not have POTS. And it was so extremely how insulting uh, to a patient who could barely function, who could barely walk, who could barely stand to tell them that they have postpartum depression or that, that they don't have a, an illness that I knew I had. No doctors were validating it. Doctors didn't even know what it was. But the statistics will show you that anywhere from one to three million people suffer from POTS. Um, which is a form of something called dysautonomia, where 70 million people globally suffer from dysautonomia. So it was just being so true to myself and trusting my body, and little by little building myself up to recovery so that it could function. And that was all through exercise and all through diet, all being my own patient advocate.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that's, I think that's the key is being your own advocate. You know, so many of us, we're so, we we're, we so trust science, which, you know, it's wonderful. And we have this wonderful, wonderful knowledge and research um, and, and incredible health systems to support us. But at the end of the day, we're living in our bodies. We know our bodies. Um, I think you had mentioned to me, Uh, that you had been meditating as well. Could you tell us a little bit about that and how that helped you perhaps even um, sense the subtleties of what was going on with you? Sure. So
2: one of the biggest issues when you have POTS is it's very inconsistent. You don't know how you're going to feel day to day. Some days you're okay. Other days you're not okay in terms of the level of symptoms that you experience on each day, all the multitude of symptoms that I described, you could wake up one day and just feel all those symptoms while you know the next day you feel one or two symptoms. So what was challenging and continues to still be challenging sometimes is you don't know how you're gonna feel every day. So I needed to let go and say, I need to find a place of mindfulness and to live day by day and sort of that saying little by little and not look to tomorrow. Stay in the moment, live for each day. So meditating really helped me tremendously by doing that, by staying in the moment and envisioning myself in perfect health. And over time, I kept doing it every day, every day and incorporating that into my life. And how much that helped me let go of this illusion of control because we don't have the control over our bodies that we wish we had. Um, So it's hugely and continues to be an
1: important part of my life
2: today, and it's been an extremely helpful tool um, for, for myself.
1: That's great. And that's great. Could you tell us a little bit more? Because I was listening carefully about some of the words you were describing. You said mindfulness. Then you were also saying envisioning yourself as healthy. Could you tell us a little bit? Because I'm sure, um, you know, we all have come to meditation in such different ways. I'd love to hear your practice specifically in, uh, or practices that really helped you.
2: Sure. So initially I started out with guided meditations because initially it is hard to, to meditate, to tune out, you know, these intrusive thoughts that can come into your mind when you're trying to meditate and be truly in the moment and truly present. So initially when I started, I was using guided meditations. And then I, as I practiced and became better at meditating and, you know, letting the intrusive thoughts go, um, I can just place myself, you can do it at any time of day, you could do it at night before you fall asleep, you could do it sitting in a chair, um, in any, any situation. Um, the more practice you do, the better you get at it. But for me, it was always, I would start out envisioning myself at my happiest place in my life. And I would literally just take myself through that moment and actually physically feel, and physiologically feel those feelings of happiness and being alive and just following my breath. And with my breath, just breathing in all the joy and all the health that I felt in my life at that time. Another technique that I do is I will envision a blank canvas in front of me and all these beautiful colors of paint. And I literally will pick up a paintbrush and paint any scene that I have you know, in particular in my mind at that moment. Um, It could be a place where I want to be. Um, It could be a place where I have been. And it will take me about a half hour to envision myself literally picking up the paint, uh, the paintbrush and dipping in the paint and painting a beautiful picture. So then at the end, I use that picture. And that's my that's my focal point um, for the rest of the day. If I'm feeling a potsy, as I call it, Mm -hmm. to that picture and envision that it takes me right back to that. Um, really nice meditative, peaceful place.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great. So what's amazing about being alive right now at this time is that we know that mindfulness practices and certain meditation practices and actually everything that we do trains us to do that more. So in other words, um, the, the saying in neuroscience is neurons that fire together, wire together. So Wendy, yeah. what you're doing is that you're envisioning this, this state of wellness, and you're putting yourself into this physical, emotional, mental sense of wellness and you're training because you're doing it consistently every day, you're training those neurons to fire together. You're training yourself to get better at feeling these this sense of vitality and well-being. Um, and and this is proven. I mean this is what's so amazing about meditation practices and and any of the things that we do that are um, positive in our lives is that The more that we do them, the more consistent we are, the more that we're training our brain to make that the default state of how we live. And so we may fall back into negativity or doubt or sadness, but it will be less less, uh, familiar or less of a habit to feel that way and more of a habit to feel well, even if... You know, like you said, you have a potsy day, even if you're because, listen, we all feel crummy some days, you know, it just <laughs> happens. But uh, yeah. we can train ourselves to recognize that and to shift back into uh, a more powerful, positive way of living, which is what it sounds like you're doing every day. Yes. every day, every day. So tell me a little bit more about, um, I caught a little phrase when you were speaking about meditation, you said little by little, I was, I was really struck by that.
2: So initially when I was diagnosed with POTS, um, I was in a very bad, uh, debilitated state and, you know, one of these premier experts, you know, said to me, you know, you really need to exercise. That's the way you're going to retrain your autonomic system to function properly. And I said to him, you know, how am I gonna do this? I can't can't stand, I can't walk, um, I can't take care of my family. And he said, you're gonna do it little by little. Mm -hmm. And, And that's exactly what I did. It was, I went to the pool my first day that I had to exercise, and I could only swim one lap that day. And that was okay because I kept thinking little by little, little by little. And then when I built myself up to doing more, you know, orthostatic cardiovascular exercise, again, little by little, um, I'd start off one minute on a one percent incline on the treadmill, little by little, until I've built myself up now to five miles a day. And little by little, in terms of, you know, how I'm going to move forward in this life, in this new body, with this new mentality of how I'm going to approach my life through health and vitality. Um, I additionally ended up going back to school. I thought, well, how am I going to do this? I have children, I have family, and it's the same approach, little by little. And then I help build my nutrition practice, little by little. So I always go back to that mantra. um, And and it just takes away so much of the pressure um, that we all are inundated with every single day. If you just be kind to yourself and there's no rush, we live in a very fast paced world and we don't need to. If you just think about it and take a step back and little by little takes the pressure right off. That's fantastic
1: and that is yeah it's so inspiring. you're You're so inspiring. You're so grounded in in this approach and and just inspiring in in what you've been able to do. I love this sense of little by little. Um, I have my own sort of mantra that I use for myself and when I'm teaching, and that is to start small, stay steady, and build from there mm-hmm. right. Sort of the I same think- thing.
2: Yes, it's exactly. The, I believe that's the exact foundation that I've built um, my foundation on as well.
1: Right. I mean, why do we think that we've all got to be in the, you know, ultra boot camp kickboxing class like to start? <laughs> or why, you know, why it's just it's just ingrained in our culture that we think, oh well, if we're not hiking. 25 miles a day, then we shouldn't call what we're doing a hike, even if it's a half a mile in the woods. Well, yes, it is, you know, and and says who? I like to to say that. Says who? Like, who's telling me? Who's putting these constraints on me? I always look at that, and I encourage people to start small. Just start your practices. Start meditation. One, two, three minutes a day, sitting quietly while your coffee brews. That can be your meditation, and that is fantastic.
2: And for me, it was that first day when I got in the pool, that one lap, that was my exercise. And I was kind to myself, and I said, good for me. That was my exercise for the day, and that was okay. Mm -hmm. Who would ever consider one lap of exercise uh, one lap in the pool as, as, a, as exercise. Well, that was my exercise. Well, that for the was day.
1: it. That's right. Can you say a little bit more about how you uh, started to be kinder to yourself? Because this is a biggie for all of us out there. How do we become kinder, more patient, more loving with ourselves? What are some of the things that you do or have worked for you?
2: I think initially, you have to recognize it. You have to see if you are being unkind to yourself and trying to live in this world of this fast paced, you know, everything with the internet, everything is faster. Um, we're inundated constantly with information and we feel like this need to keep up um, in this world, especially with our children. Let's overschedule our children and, you know, participating in all these activities. And if we're not, then we're, we're not good moms. We're not good to, you know, we're not good parents. Um, and that's just simply untrue. So the initial, piece of it was to recognize, um, for me, it was a little bit easier because I, I was deficient and I had to recognize that I couldn't do it. So because I couldn't do it, it was a little bit easier for me to be kinder to myself and say, you know, be gentle. Um, but for people that are full functioning, I think meditation and even practicing Reiki, um, is another form of a way to become more in touch uh, with yourself and to take a look inside and become, you know, slow down. We don't have to be subject to this fast paced world that we live in. We miss moments, we miss time. When I was first, that first year I got through, somebody would say, wow, you had a really, you know, rough year or you had a really good year. And I would say it wasn't, I can't look at my life in terms of a year. I had some really great moments. I had some really hard moments. So it was about breaking it down and consolidating it into moment by moment, similar to little by little. Mm. So you don't miss the bigger picture. You're living it day to day, minute to minute.
1: Yep. Um I'm with you. I don't want to miss moments of my life. And I think that really drives me to continue to practice showing up. How how can we show up for these moments? Because there's spectacular moments that we're missing. You know, it's like, oh, shoot, I just missed that sunset. Oops, I just missed that, you know, my child doing something crazy, you know, or I missed the, you know, holding the gaze of the stranger's eyes. It, we miss moments. And I love what you're saying about moment by moment. Yeah. Uh, rem- those reminders are really helpful.
2: It's not the quantity; it's the quality. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm busy with clients on certain days, then you know I make sure I spend some. It might only be a few minutes of quality time in between with my kids, but there it's it's quality and it's it's moments that I always make sure that I'm available for for them
1: That's and for myself too. And for yourself, too. And for yourself, too. That should be plastered on our foreheads as women. And for ourselves, too. (laughs) Well, Wendy, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now, uh, now that you've um, really kind of harnessed this. Yeah. How are you sharing it with others? So um,
2: throughout this journey, I, I kept it a big secret for the first two years I was sick. I didn't want people to know that that I had a disability. I didn't want to be judged. But then I turned that around and I said, you know what, I'm gonna wear this like a badge of armor because more doctors need to know about it, more people need to know about it, and the more knowledge out there is power and the more knowledge out there could be more funding for research to help find more answers for people, to help people get diagnosed than people that are misdiagnosed and not taken seriously in the medical community. So I full-throttled ahead, little by little, though, um, to become a patient advocate and to speak at conferences. I became um, a patient on the Patient Advisory Board of Dysautonomia International, and I do several speaking engagements. I recently spoke at at Harvard Medical School, um, educating patients and doctors and medical students about POTS and dysautonomia. Um, I'm trying to get it into the curriculum on statewide tests for medical school so that doctors are more familiar with POTS. And I do a lot of speaking engagements. I've done radio shows, and I'm also writing a book now, a cookbook, because um, I went back to school for nutrition. And for me, what I started to have an upper trajectory after a few years of, you know, getting enough exercise in and building myself up, retraining my autonomic system. But it was really the clean eating and the nutrition piece um, for instance, for me, I eliminated gluten, I eliminated refined sugar, and I eliminated dairy from my diet. And that's when I, that was the tipping point for me when I noticed how much of the upward trajectory even further I went in my health. So I wanted to then share this with others. So I do a lot of lecturing for Livestrong to help cancer patients who are either going through treatment or after treatment. Um, I've done lectures in DC talking to POTS patients who are um, sick with pots and talking to them about nutrition and how much nutrition we are, what we eat. And we have the the power of food is so incredible. Um, if you put junk in your body, you're not going to feel good. You're going to feel like junk. Mm -hmm. So I've decided to write a book specifically for people with pots and dysautonomia and just working in, um, easy to prepare healthy, repurposable foods. Um, people with POTS have a very difficult time standing or a difficult time standing in the kitchen or even just being on their feet. So this book is going to be really tailored to people with POTS and some forms of dysautonomia. It'll be healthy and easy to prepare.
1: That's great. And so for those listening, if they have questions about, hmm, I wonder if what I've been going through could be POTS, is there a website or someplace you can point us to? Yeah, that- there's...
2: Mm-hmm. There's two places. One is my personal website, which is um, potstakeastand.com. And there's also dysautonomiainternational.org. So both of those sites, um, mine included, are extremely helpful for people who believe that they have POTS. And I've had hundreds of people reach out to me um, that, that once I became public you know, with my illness, how many people actually became diagnosed with POTS.
1: Oh, that's great. And POTS is P-O-T-S, right?
2: Yes, which stands for Postural Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome.
1: Oh, oh great. It's a mouthful. It's, a, it's all a mouthful, for sure. Yeah. So one more time, just say your website so that we're sure to have it.
2: Sure. So, well, I, my POTS website is um, potstakeastand.com. And my nutrition site uh, for my business is Food thatcares.com
1: perfect wow well little by little folks if we can remember that to put a hand on our hearts and take it in small steps every day this is how we create change it's not the big flashy stuff it's the little stuff that we're doing every single day so thank you Wendy for your gems there were many and I hope that uh Everyone listening, you can carry a little bit away with you today out into your day. And we look forward to the next time.
2: Thank you so much, Kara, for having me.
0: Thank you. Bye, all. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to Women for One's podcast series, Real Women, Courageous Wisdom. If you like what you just heard, We hope you will subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave a review. If you're interested in becoming a Women for One truth teller, visit womenforone.com to learn more. For more information about our host, Kara Bradley, visit her site, karabradley.net. Join us next time for another enlightening conversation with powerful everyday women.